the Missional Life Podcast, inspiring kingdom-minded believers around the world to live the mission of God in their lives. All right, welcome back to the Missional Life Podcast. Today we are at the NRB Conference in Dallas, Texas. We're sitting here with Daniel Yohanan. He is the son of KP Yohanan, the founder of the Gospel uh, for Asia ministry. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Wow. So your father just released a new book called Never Give Up, the story of a broken man impacting a generation. And uh, it says you know, that he went through a, uh, a series of what he called forest fire of grief and pain. And he found himself asking, God, where are you? Tell us about some of the experiences that your father went through that caused him to kind of question, God, where are you? And these these that, these forest fires of grief and pain. Yeah, you know, um, over the last uh, five six years, there's there's been a, a real um, not not only attack on on uh, Christianity at large globally, but also on specific ministries um, that are um, doing whatever they can to bring the gospel to places that literally have never heard before. Um, many of the places we serve in, you, we ask people, you know, Jesus Christ, and they'll say, you know what, I've lived here my whole life, your friend Jesus isn't here. Check the next village down the road, your friend Jesus might be there. And so, that, you know, that's, that's always been our heart. Gospel for Asia's heart has always been to uh, know Christ, but then also to proclaim him and to make him known. And um, never thought that we would go through the, the struggles and difficulties and tax like we've gone through these last couple of years. And when my father wrote this book, it wasn't meant to be feel sorry for me um you know i hope everyone feels bad for me and we can recoup some of the you know the sympathy from people but he really did write this book um as a challenge for people not to give up when they go through difficulties in their life and this is not you know here let me tell you some nice bible verses and pat you on the back and jesus loves you and you know god loves you and keep going forward this is really you know the christianity that god calls us to which you see in the book of acts is without suffering and and um and serious dedication to press forward, how, how can we live as Christians? I mean, when Paul tells us to follow him as he follows Christ, and yet, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians tells us, you know, 2 Corinthians, look at the stripes on my back, look at my shipwreck, look at my imprisonment, look at all these things, and then we say we follow Christ, and, you know, Christ goes to the cross, and he's beaten. Uh, this, is the, this is the Christianity that we're called to, is to embrace suffering and difficulty, and yet, um, in, in the American scene, in the, in the American modern Christian scene, the theology of suffering does not exist. Um, the, the whole culture is a pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of pushing suffering away, the pursuit of any inconvenience, get it out of the way. And we've bought into that, bringing that into our Christianity when the scripture and the history of Christianity is opposite of that, where Christians have always suffered. Uh, you see even today more Christians are being martyred for the faith than ever before. And so the, the book is, I say that as a backdrop because the people should not perceive this book as like, mm -hmm. uh, you know, one man's brokenness is like, I want you to read this so you feel sorry for me and understand this. It really was, look at my life and look at we, what we've been through and look at the suffering to the point where he actually talks about contemplating suicide. I mean, he, wow. he came to the end of... Uh, end of almost his hope and it's like maybe it's just better just end everything and you're talking about someone who's been in ministry from the age of 16 um, spent eight years of his life from age 16 with it with a youth mission serving uh, preaching living on the streets praying for people 
seeing people's lives change and then you know beginnings of gospel for asia for 40 years and then he comes to the place where he's saying you know maybe i just want to give up mm -hmm. and so you you can find some sort of inspiration and some sort of hope that no matter what we go through whether it's our personal life our family our marriage our church our ministry that it is possible for god to use incredibly difficult difficult things in our life to actually refine us even more and so you're talking about you know my father's in his 70s now and he's writing encouraging people to say you know what i can still keep going <laughs> and, and never give up and so you know some of the attacks on us it was very very difficult and of course you know i I, I, I lived through it with our family, but it basically was all personal attacks on his character. So here's someone mm -hmm. who is known as one of the leading missiologists in the entire world. Uh, Revolution World Missions book, millions in print. Mm -hmm. uh, when, when people want to know what is, what is the right direction for missions, uh, they, they call him and they ask him what his perspective on missions. And the reason is we literally have shown and proven that national missions using brothers and sisters from their own country and they know the language, like the bugs, like the food, like, you know, the hot temperatures, they do have a passion and they do bring the gospel to the people that are their own people and it's the most effective way. Not that we're against near culture or cross-cultural, but it's a both and. Mm -hmm. uh, if you got, you know, people that want to go cross-culturally, great, do that. But then the question is, what's the most effective way for people to hear the gospel? Then do that. If it's radio, do that. If it's books, do that. If it's whatever it is. And, and so, uh, you know, when he wrote his book, Revolutionary Missions, it, it was a firestorm in, in the world of missions because most people, uh, when you think of missions, it's, it's something that was only traditionally one person going from one country to another country, and yet after World War II, 80% of the countries were closed for outsiders to come in as missionaries. Mm -hmm. So the question is, are you going to keep the same model, or are you going to change the model? And what he did is he didn't invent national missions, but he brought it to the forefront and said, look, Coke is doing this, Frito-Lay is doing this, everyone's doing this, they're using nationals. Why, why isn't the Christian faith doing this? It doesn't, I mean, it makes total sense. And so he brought this incredible revolution in terms of missions. And so, you know, 40 years later, it's old hat. Everyone's doing this. Everyone's supporting nationals. Everyone's doing the same thing. And yet, uh, you know, God used him to bring the reality of, of missions to the forefront, national missions. And then all of a sudden we go through the storm basically saying he's a crazy person and he's like, you know, stealing money and doing all kinds of stuff. And we're left in, we're left in the corner to not be able to defend ourselves. Um, going through entire years of not being able to defend ourselves, not being able to say anything. And it's just like, man, you're just sitting there getting beat to death. Um, in terms of our ministry, I mean, we saw incredible decrease in finances. We had staff leave. We had board members leave. We had, I mean, probably about five or six, you know, individual incidences could have ended in the ministry the last five years. Every single one of them. It should just end in the ministry. We should just walked away from everything. And yet we're still here. And we don't know why. Um, and the reason is, there is still millions and millions of people who need to hear about Christ. Mm -hmm. And God has positioned us to be able to continue doing that. And I will say this, one of the things we know um, that is going to bring on spiritual attack, and you can't blame everything on spiritual attack, you know, but sure. it is a reality Amen. with this. Uh, we live yeah. in a fallen world, but there's spiritual attack. And the reason is, uh, my father has been relentlessly trying to figure out what is the missing key to missions everyone does missions in some way uh they they you know gospel tracks radios printing whatever it is and yet 
you look around at the history of missions and there are empty missions compounds around the world and the question is why i mean even even in india william carey's you know whole work is left to a couple of acres of a of a bible college i mean that's it nothing's remaining and so the history of missions is something that usually lasts for about 40 years and plateaus and then it's, it's over and the missing element is unless you have church planting at the other end of it, you don't have anything that's going to outlive you or be established full on and full circle, which is what Book of Acts is. They sent out people, people heard the gospel, they were added to the church, the church sent out more people, it's a full circle. And by God's grace, what Gospel for Asia has seen happen through these last 40 years is not only this incredible effective work of using nationals and using all these different tools, but we've seen that churches are being planted in these places where people are established in the faith permanently in the history of Christianity and historical Christianity. And because of that, even if we disappear off the face of the earth, that will continue. And I think that is why there is serious, serious uh, attack uh, spiritually on, on the ministry of Gospel for Asia because the enemy knows very well that if the church is established, Christianity continues to go forward no matter what. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I am grateful for this book. I am grateful for the season that we've gone through. I think God has strengthened us even greater. Mm -hmm. I think we're in a better position now. In fact, we just launched into Africa. We, we just went to Rwanda and <laughs> started work. Uh, our name was, was GFA, and now it's GFA World because we're expanding beyond Asia. We're going to other places. And so um, my, my encouragement would be for people to pick up the book uh, read it, then apply it to their life, and that God would give them hope and grace not to give up in whatever situation they're in. You know, when I have a headache, my headache is worse than your headache. And so whatever problem I have is always going to be worse than your problem, even if it's the same problem. And if we can find inspiration from someone who was on the brink of suicide and someone who felt like giving up and saying, you know, I'll just trust God to get me through this, then why can't God help anyone to get through whatever they're going through? And God's grace and mercy can do that. Amen. Mm -hmm. I love how we are reminded that when we go through persecution, God's with us. And, you know, the, the Bible repeatedly says that God is our defender in those times and that he will, he will defend his people. And can you speak to that a little bit more? How did, what were some of those different experiences that you witnessed um, God defending your father in this situation, in this kind of forest fire of grief and pain? A um, couple of people, you know, it's interesting. Um, that's an interesting question because, you know, I'm very tempted to to kind of flesh out and just be very very mean against certain people. Sure. <laughs> but but what I mean what I mean by that is, uh, like my my father walked with people who, you know, I know personally pastors that he's walked with for 30 years. Some of them would call him two o'clock in the morning and say, I'm feeling, I'm feeling so discouraged. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling suicidal. Please pray with me. I can't call my own you know, friends. I'm calling you. And, and he would walk these guys through the most terrible times of their life. And when we hit our crisis, they all disappeared. Hmm. Wow. So I know the question is, how did God bring you through this? And the reality, everyone walked away from us. There's only, I think, I think Francis Chan was one person that stood with mm -hmm. us. And he, he said, I'm not going to just believe blindly what people are saying. 
Um, I know uh, Hank Hanegraaff stood with us and, and was encouragement, and both those men called uh, called my father regularly just to, to pray with him. And, you know, what, what are you supposed to say to someone? Hey, be warm and well-fed. God bless you today. No, it's just like, look, I'm praying for you, and, uh, you know, I know God will bring you through this. Uh, George Verber, who forwarded the book, um, also was, uh, was very key. But in reality, uh, Everyone that endorsed the ministry walked away from us. I had personal friends who said, hey, I'm sorry, uh, you know, my board has advised us that we can't really stand with you during this time. Let me know when things get better. We'll, we'll bring our endorsement back. I'm like, that's not how endorsements work. We need, your, <laughs> we need your friendship now. So literally everyone walked away from us. Um, and there was certain friends who kind of stood with us uh, no matter what, certain people that just said, you know what, the, these attacks on everyone, mm. it's not worth believing. Um, I heard someone the other day said that the crisis or the cancer of Christianity is just other Christians attacking one another and abandoning one another. And this is the opposite of what Jesus said in John 17 to pray for unity and to stand. And someone, you know, I, I think it's Hank Hanegraaff said, if we don't, if we don't hang together, we're going to hang separately, you know. Um, and so the, the answer to the question is, you know, um, the sovereignty of God and his mercy and grace kept us going. Um, I don't think there was a magical answer. Um, it's, it's like asking the question, um, looking at two different families who were very godly and the parents did wonderful in raising their kids and one set of kids kind of do, do weird things and the other set of kids do normal. It's like, what was your secret? I don't know. The grace of God. <laughs> I mean, it, was your parenting style better? No. What, did you read a special book that the other parent? No. I, it's just, you, you really, in the end of the day, just say, you know, God's merciful. And it, it has to just be God's grace and God's plan. I, I do believe that while going through this, you can't really see forward very well. But hindsight gives you a lot of perspective. And hindsight, if God didn't allow us to go through this, he didn't do this to us, but how he used it was to refine us, to make us more dependent on him, to help us not to depend on our 40 years of experience or that, you know, he, you know, my father's written over 200 books, most of them not in English, you know, and, and been on the radio for 30 years and it's just, uh, you know, top of the world. But if God wanted to continue using us to go into Africa and other places, he needs us to continue being humble. And so I think, uh, I think he, he strengthened us in a lot of ways, um, like you, you, you strengthen iron by putting it in the fire and, and quenching it. You, uh, uh, you purify gold by heating it up. Um, and so I think He's purified us. He, he's strengthened us. Even though we really didn't do the wrong things a lot of people accuse us of. And yet uh, God used that in our life because he wants to continue using us. And so for that, I can be grateful. You know, uh, Romans 8, 28 has to work. You know, all things work out for good, not just the good things, but the, but the difficult things. And I think what it has also done is it, it helped us to be less dependent on on people and more dependent on God. And mm -hmm. I think, I think um, if you're looking at this, if you look at how our nation is going, um, you're gonna, we're all gonna have to cry out to God pretty soon. And it's not gonna be just that we're dependent on, on uh, you know, certain laws or laws being changed or people in office or different things like, unless people pray and say, God, whatever it takes, persecution, no persecution, um, you know, it's, it's like Watchman Nee in his book, The Character of God's Workman. If people want to read chapter three, it's called The Mind to Suffer. Um, and you read, 
you read that and you realize he's talking to people that are suffering right now. When Paul talked about uh, suffering, it was in the worst persecution. And I think that is a mindset that all of us in the West have to have. If, if Christians around the world um, are suffering and, and being martyred, what excuse do we have that we don't we don't accept the same thing if it comes our way. And what Watchman Nee basically says is, look, at least have the heart for suffering. You may never suffer in your life, but at least your heart's in the right direction. And if that does come, you'll be protected. You won't be surprised. You won't be shaken. And I think, I think that's why God allowed this to happen, because whatever God wants to do with us in the future is going gonna, is, is gonna to require more trials, more difficulty, and more suffering. And may God's name be glorified at the end of all that. And so I, I hope that people pick up the book and, and can be encouraged by it and be encouraged by a real life example right now. Yeah, you know, I was just thinking as you were talking, um, just reminds me how Jesus himself was rejected by the people he was hoping would pray for him in the time of the garden right before he went through his, the pain and suffering, you know, and enduring the cross. And also um, just the verse about, you know, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And I just wondered, you know, what um, advice, what encouragement would you give to people who may right now be walking through pain where they feel rejected by friends, where they feel like, gosh, I am isolated. Um, like, what scriptures did you stand on as a family and um, just some of the processes that you went through? I think I watched Star Trek a lot. I think that's, that's, that's probably what I did. It's just a lot of Star Trek. Um, no, I think I think both those verses you mentioned are, are really key. I, I do think, and this this sounds, you know, and, and this is this is just a, a, a little encouragement. We like to highlight Bible verses that are about just the, the upper side of encouragement, but we don't highlight the verses about suffering and difficulty. Mm. And, and you mentioned two of those. Uh, I mean, Jesus promised there will be difficulty. He, he promised the disciples, if you go out, you're going to be persecuted. And what that looks like in each person's life is different. You, you will face difficulties. And I think people forget that, you know, just because you follow Christ doesn't mean you're not going to have a flat tire. You know, following Christ does not exempt you from what? having flat tires or changing diapers or having a bad day or getting fired from your job or, you know, failing a grade, failing a grade at school. I mean, it's, it's like, look, you got the normal challenges of life. But on top of that, yes, you do have the enemy against you and you do have the spiritual things. And I think that's where Christians need to be aware of that. Um, as Christians, we do have a giant target on us that the enemy yeah. hates. And I think. I think the verses that you mentioned are very key. You know, when Jesus was in the garden, I mean, the, and, and, you, and it's incredible because you, you have you have you have Christ 100% man, 100% God, um, and and there in the garden, three times he prays, Father, if it's possible, allow this cup to pass for me. Nevertheless, my, not my will, but your will. And so people want to have an example from Christ Himself, where Christ prayed three times, if it was possible, to escape that suffering. But in the end, he gave up his will to take the Father's will. And of course, this was all out of love to go for the cross, you know. And I, and I, think, I, I think people, going back to your question, practical examples, I think people need flesh and blood examples in front of them, not just nice Bible verses to encourage. I think we need Bible mm -hmm. verses to hide in our heart, as, as Psalm 119, verse 9 says. Um, in, in verse 11, 100, 105, 
but it also is when you see examples of people in history, I think that's why it's important that you read missionary stories, you read the martyrs and the saints uh, of the church, that you see that it was normal for them to go through suffering and difficulties. Um, that itself gives you perspective. That itself helps you to understand it. And we don't read those for our kids. We don't raise our kids to know that this is how the Christians are in China. This is how the Christians are in Russia. This is how the Christians are in these very difficult nations. Um, but I, I, do, I do think the encouragement is this. Um, God is always at work. Mm. There's never a time that he is not speaking to us. It's not just Sunday, and it's not just during our morning devotion. He's True. at work always in our life at all times. Romans 8, 28 tells us that. Philippians 1, 6 tells us that you know his good work in us will continue. Mm-hmm. Um, Psalm 23 tells us that he's leading us. Psalm 139 tells us that he knows every aspect of our life better than we know. Every thought that he has is, is outnumbers the sand of the sea. I mean... If we can fill our hearts with the promises of God's word, not so that we neglect suffering, but that it protects our heart and we have the context to understand that God has not abandoned us. And I think that's what happens a lot of times is people go through suffering, they immediately think God has abandoned me. Mm-hmm. And yet, when you look at the life of Joseph, was he in God's will or not? God's will, 13 years in prison. He was in God's will. Did he know it at the moment? I don't know. You know, Daniel lion's den. I mean, you know, Unfortunately, he had to go through that, that horrible night, um, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Bendigo. I mean, they, were, they said, even if God doesn't save us, we will not bow down. They didn't know if they're going to survive the, the, the furnace. And yet, they put their faith completely in God, saying, whatever his will is, if we burn up, fine, we burn up. And I think that, that itself is not a fatalistic point of view. It's taking one day at a time and saying, God, whatever is for today, I'm going to walk through it, and you're walking with me. And I'm going to hang on to the promises. i got flesh and blood examples in front of me. I've got material that encourages me. i got scripture to hide my heart. i got history of the church that tells me the saints and the martyrs who have gone before me. And I put those things in my heart, and I do that daily. You know, we put on the full armor of God daily. It's not just what happened 20 years ago. Yeah. And I think this is what I meant by hindsight and foresight. A lot of times when you're going through a problem, you can't see it. But when you look back... You go, okay, I get it. This is how God tangibly helped me through these things in my life, and that gives me the courage to look forward. When David faced a giant, um, it wasn't the first time he faced a trial. He faced a trial with dealing with sheep, and then he faced a trial with dealing with his brothers, and he faced a trial dealing with the bear and the lion. And that's what his perspective was. As God helped me to take care of the lion and the bear, so I'll take care of this Philistine. So... God doesn't allow trials in your life that he hasn't already prepared for you before. Mm-hmm. When my father went through this, this is not something he faced when he was 16. He faced this later, later in his life. So he, he had been beaten physically. He had stones thrown at him. He had gone through suffering through his whole life in different ways. And God prepared him for this suffering so that he would be an example of God's grace and mercy. So whatever God's allowing us to go through, he's prepared us before. And, but... People shouldn't take that and say, great, what's next? Because I've heard, actually heard a lot of Christians say, great, you took me through the storm, what other storm is ahead of me? We should just say, praise God for what he's doing right now, and I'll praise God for whatever happens in the future. And God's sovereign, and I will praise him. And I think thanksgiving and giving God praise, continuously filling our heart with thankfulness is the key to what you were saying of how do I see things clearly to go through the difficulties, no matter what it is. And like I, I really did mean this, my headache is going to be worse than your headache. 
you know, my struggle at school with my subjects is going to be worse than all my other friends. And, and whatever I'm going through is a real thing, and yet, but the answer is the same. I'm going to take one day at a time. I'm going to give God thanks. I'm going to trust Him. I'm going to hide His Word in my heart. I'm going to use those flesh and blood examples. I'm going to use resources to give me perspective. Um, probably the best example I can give is, is um, pilots are trained when they get vertigo. And vertigo is usually when your equilibrium gets all screwy. And that happens when you're in the clouds and you can't tell which way is up or down. And you, you, you don't have any sense of which way is up or down. And, and if pilots get turned upside down, they'll pull on the stick and they crash on the ground. And they're trained, when they have vertigo, forget how you feel and look at the instruments. Yeah. Just look at the instruments. You may yeah. feel like you're upside down, look at the instruments because that doesn't change. And yeah. what doesn't change is God and his word and how God has brought his people through the history of suffering and difficulty. Yeah. I think about how, you know, Jesus tells the parable about the wise man and the foolish man, and he builds the house. And, you know, he says, when, 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 not if, when the trials of life come, mm -hmm. you know, and we all will have problems, but, you know, the time to be building the house is not when the storms are, are there. It's before, you know, and I think how g during your father's life, he's been building that, he's been building that house. So when this trial came, he had he had a house to go into he had a he had a trust in god that that would see him through this and i love that you know through all this god rose up different people to circle him and to kind of you know it wasn't maybe the people that you thought it was going to be but you saw the different people circle him and stand with him and now you can move forward and you know who kind of is in that inner circle and mm -hmm. who you can trust and who can move forward with you um one thing i want to ask is let's flip the script a little bit for you've now heard something about a different ministry or, or a different uh, leader in the church. What questions should people who hear different things about a ministry or a leader, what sh questions should we be asking ourselves to discern and to, to you know, we don't want to just believe that. We, we, we want to know truth, but we also need to know that not everything that's presented is the truth. And so what questions would you encourage people to be listening to or to be asking themselves to kind of discern the truth? Or what questions do you wish other leaders would have asked themselves about your father uh, when they heard about this uh, Gospel for Asia situation? Yeah, I, I actually was thinking about that. That's a, probably the missing part that I, I, I didn't say. Um, besides, you know, our, our staff at Gospel for Asia are incredible. You know, I don't want to just say it was just, you know, Francis Chan, George Verber, and, sure. you know, Hank Hanegraaff. I mean, our staff went through this with us and they, they really stood with us um, and they I mean all of us at Gospel for Asia we raise our own support and most of them lost all their support I mean just overnight um, I mean and some of the things we lost we lost thousands of radio stations overnight I mean it just it was it was wow. incredible um, but the the uh, the flip side of this is um, I think it was a very good learning lesson to realize I wish people would just ask Mm. Rather than, this, I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. It's like, just, you may not like my answer. You may not even agree with me, but at least ask. Mm. What, why just walk away? Why just, you know, third, fourth hand information? Why, why hear a skewed piece of written, you know, uh, material that, that is obviously like bent in a certain way to present a lie? Um, and, and so I think... I think from the, the other side, like you said, is, is 
um, whenever I hear something, you know, which you hear a lot now, it's just because social media, all it is is just a, a trash ground. Um, <laughs> it can be a very wonderful tool also, but um, it is, is to not let it soak into my heart so quickly. Mm. I think, I think to kind of stand back and go, you know what? I know there's at least one other side of the story, probably another four other sides to the story, <laughs> you know, and I really don't even know. I don't even know what the right information is. And so I'm, I'm very, very slow to just blindly believe that, um, uh, what, what are they saying about this individual, this ministry? Uh, the other, the other reality is even if something is true and it's negative about someone else, does that mean God's not going to continue using them? Like, if if I ask the question, are all of us, you know, up to par with what God is doing? You know, probably not. Um, you know, I ask the same thing. You know, every 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 Sunday we have we have for the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, and one of the questions is is which one of us is qualified? I mean, none of us are qualified. That's why that's why we have uh, our opportunities for confession and repentance and, and seeking God. And even in that, is our heart completely honest with God? Sometimes no. And yet it's in God's mercy and grace that he allows us to partake um, uh, of the Eucharist. And, and, and so, you know, when, when, when the disciples came back to Jesus and said, those people are, you know, casting on demons, you know, and they're not really doing it our way. It's like, Jesus is like, leave alone. Yes. Paul in prison was was saying look guys even if the gospel is being preached in a selfish reason at least the gospel is going forth mm. and i think i think a lot of times we get so hung up on either they're not doing it our way or they don't line up with our exact doctrine or they don't do it in the way that i like therefore they're a bad person and and what happened to you know what let me just leave things into god's hands and let me not believe lies and perpetuate lies i mean if you look if you look at the bible what the bible says when it talks about the things that god hates the most gossip and lying is way way up in the top yeah i mean we get all sideways when it talks about sexual sins but then you what about gossip and slander that's way way on the top mm -hmm. and yet we don't treat that as if we treat these like things that are supposedly really big things and yet if if people would take God's word seriously about not slandering and not gossiping, which, you know, Miriam found out a very, very quick way that you don't want to slander someone, a leader, someone that God has, has done, you know, put his hand on. Um, I, think, I think my encouragement would be to pray a lot, judge very slowly, judge ourselves, and worry about our own salvation. I, I think I think if if everyone did that, we would be too busy worrying about our own life and our own <laughs> walk with God. We wouldn't have time to worry about what all the trash is being talked about to someone else. And and rather than putting a blog out there or condemning someone, why don't we take some time to fast and pray? Mm. You know, I, there was. This, I'll give you an example. It was really it was really really sad. Um, some years ago, I think I think World Vision. I can't remember. What, what decision they made, but there was, there was some, some decision they made and they lost thousands of, of supporters for their children. Mm. Okay, fine. People didn't like what World Vision did, but who suffers in the end? The children. Yeah. yeah. Yes, but we're righteous and we're not going to... The children are not getting helped. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and the same thing for us, and we literally lost thousands of supporters for children. It's like, okay, you don't like us, but what, 
what is, what, what, who's suffering in the end? The, the kids. And I think a lot of this nonsense of judging so quickly of other Christians and Christian ministries and Christian leaders and I don't like this and like that. It's the it's the poor that are getting hurt in the end. Yeah. And and I think, I think if if we filled our heart with love and compassion like Christ, when He saw the crowds, they were moved with compassion. I I think. And, and you see when the, when, how kind Jesus was to the woman that was caught in adultery and how kind he was to the leper and how kind he was to the people that were outcasts and the, you know, Zacchaeus. You look at all the rejects of society and if, and if we are told in scripture to love our enemies in such a great extent, how much more are we supposed to love our brothers and sisters? I mean, that, that should be greater than, than anything else and yet, um, you know, the last, one of the last things that Jesus said after washing the disciples' feet uh, was, you know, have you understood what I did? Yes, we have. Of course, they didn't understand. You know, the disciples never understood anything. <laughs> um, but, you know, but he said, a new commandment I give to you, love one another so that, that all will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So what was the greatest evangelistic plan that Jesus laid out right before going to the cross? Love one another. It wasn't do better missions, and it wasn't doing better evangelism. It wasn't go out to every, the whole world. If you love one another to in such a way that it models, it models the unity and love within the Holy Trinity is actually what it's meaning. When Jesus talked about, you know, the prayer uh, of John 17, that that they would be one as we are one. Uh, then that would be the greatest testimony. And yet what we're doing is we're destroying the very testimony of God around us. And this is why people look at Christianity and go, you know what? I don't want that. I'd rather hang out with my, my, my friends who at least will listen to me, say bad things, and we're still buddies. <laughs> you know. And I think that's the greatest challenge. And you're talking about a super, super, very superficial way a lot of times Christians don't even love each other on a superficial level and yet we need to be praying for God's supernatural love in our life towards one another and so I think when people when I hear about other ministries and other leaders uh, I try to remind myself people did not know the other side of the story and if they would just ask and also how many people stopped and prayed for us and how many people uh, try to encourage us. And so that's, you know, if I, ever, if I ever come across them like that, that's my plan. I'm going to encourage them. Encourage them to keep going. Don't give up. Um, and tell them, I want, to, I want to hear your side of the story. And even if I don't like it, I'll say, you know what? At least you were honest with me. I'll keep praying for you. May God use you. Wow. No, it's great. You know, even after all that you guys went through as a ministry, it's advancing. Mm -hmm. You know, like the book, Never Give Up. But you talked about it's no longer in Asia, like you're now expanding to Africa as a ministry. So can you tell us more about that? Yeah, you know, it's, it's really exciting. Uh, we, you know, God, God is kind of funny. We, we changed the, the name of our magazine to GFA World like a couple of years ago. Um, I just want to change a different name. And, and the leaders had been thinking about quite a long time of, of you know, what are some other places that we can go into, you know, expanding the work um, that God has brought us through? And, and I mean, just by incredible miracle series of events, um, Africa opened up. I mean, that's kind of weird. I mean, that is kind of in the 1040 window, just we're, we're always on the other side of it. Um, and, and, it and it worked out that we could actually open up, open up a, a base in, um, in um, Rwanda. 
um, to be able to start the work there. And, and what my father's hope and dream and all of us is that that would be a base to be able to reach out to all these other countries in Africa. And you got like 1.2 billion people in Africa. And that's kind of, that's like some of the places we work in Asia. And, and extremely poor, lots of orphans from, you know, either civil wars or genocide. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, they, there's estimates that if things don't change, in next next seven months, there could be up to seven million people dying of starvation. Mm-hmm. You know, so people ask me, what's the biggest deal with COVID? It's not dying from the virus. It's that people don't have food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and I think... I think what's important to understand is is just because in our nation here, things have opened up. We don't have to wear masks in some places and shops are open and everything else. That's not the same in most of the other world. I don't know if people realize Canada is still locked down. You yeah. can't cross the border. Mm-hmm. Um, our office up there, they can't actually gather. Um, the UK just opened up for six people to be allowed in a home um, <laughs> together, I mean, besides family members. So you're talking Western countries still mm-hmm. locked down. So America is unique in the entire world. Um, and so in many of these places in Africa and Asia, things are extremely locked down still, and starvation is the greatest need right now. And so that's why you know a lot of our people are still doing uh, feeding and helping people with food. But the, the work in Africa, I think, it, I think God kind of tricked us into this. Um, he always tricks us in everything. Like, you know, <laughs> I love it. G- GFA, GFA never planned things and then fulfilled plans. We kind of do things and it's like God says, okay, now make it bigger. Um, and, and everything has been like that. Uh, you know, in, in going, into, going into Africa, I think it sparked a, a brand new, like, life within the ministry that, you know, we're not dying, we're expanding. Yes, we're still kind of struggling, but look, we're going to all these new places and uh, God opened up the doors for us to be able to have a piece of property there and we're hoping to have a 400 bed hospital to be able to train people to go into these other countries Mm -hmm. to be able to see literally tens of thousands of churches planted in some of these nations Um, and you can pray a lot of these nations are very difficult nations but we want to see that God expands you know I, I think about how the enemy works and he so he's seen this for millennia right he's been around and he always attacks before something's getting ready to grow before a movement of God and I just kind of see this kind of corresponding time frame where this all came about kind of right as or before you guys were looking at expanding and the enemy will do anything he can mm-hmm. to really just hold back the kingdom of God but God what does he say God, like the, the, the gates of hell shall not prevail against him mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about how that is so applicable to GFA and that you know you're moving forward and the enemy can throw whatever he wants mm-hmm. to throw he can trick he can deceive he can you know kind of try to cover the truth but the truth will set you free and the truth will go out and mm-hmm. i just think of all the exciting things that are uh, ahead of you guys as you continue to again put god first seek him first and um and see his expansion and i just wanted to go back to how you know social media you know it can be a good thing but it can be a terribly evil thing too and I just want to encourage, you know, we're, you know Daniel's given us a, an amazing, you know, um, lesson and a reminder that, you know, before we, before we just click repost, mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. Because there are, there are huge, huge, huge ramifications in this world and in the other world. Because, you know, in a lot of ways, we are accountable for what we say, what we, what we post, because let's, you know, those are words. How we and, and we are accountable for those things, and not only that, but 
we also deserve it to look at the end the end person um, like we said the poor people were the ones mm -hmm. that suffered those people when when your funding left you they weren't just hurting GFA they were hurting the end uh, person the the people mm -hmm. that GFA was serving and so there is a, a, a huge 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 impact when we repost things and and we need to make sure we seek God on on how we do that or when we do that and that doesn't mean we don't do it but we should seek discernment and I, I love how you brought that to light yeah, I think I think uh, two 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 specific things that you mentioned, which are really important. One is um, there's always attack before um, before God does incredible things. Um, I'm not a farmer. My, all my uncles were were farmers, the rice farmers um, on my dad's side. Uh, but one of the things that was is interesting is if if you if you um, plant flowers or plant anything. Especially if you're if you're growing them inside before the last frost, you know people grow whatever vegetables or plants or flowers, whatever. One of the things that is really important to do is while these plants are growing up, is you want to have a fan blowing on them mm -hmm. to mimic the outside wind, mm -hmm. because the wind blowing on these plants actually strengthens the roots. Mm -hmm. And if you if you don't do that and you try to plant them outside, they've never actually been pushed a little bit to strengthen the roots, and they'll they'll probably die outside. And and I think. You know, anytime we have kind of attack on us, all it's doing is giving us the opportunity to strengthen our roots, strengthen our roots, strengthen our roots. And I think that that's a lot what this book um, um, talks about. Um, and, you know, the, the, the other thing about social media, I think, I, I think it's so important that people recognize that the average person, and this is without social media, this is before email and social media and texting, uh, they did studies, and the average person will influence at least 10,000 people in their lifetime. Wow. I mean, that means you go in the grocery store, you go to McDonald's, how you treat the cashier, how you tip your waiter, your kids, your son in school, everything else. You will influence, directly or indirectly, 10,000 people. And I think people need to treat their social media as a gift from God to communicate His grace mm. and mercy. And That's if, and, I mean, just take the ugly duckling story. If you can't say anything nice, just don't say anything at all. Yeah. And And the reality is, if I can't be a light on social media, then what right does it give me to be think I can be a light, you know, outside in in the, in the physical world? Mm -hmm. I must see that every aspect of my life, within my family, at school, at at work, online, that I am a light and a salt. Mm -hmm. yeah. What difference does it have? And and if we don't do that, then we're being hypocritical in our in our Christian life. Um, we'll we'll always be having this duplicity. And yet what Christ calls us to be is to be Christ online, to be Christ to our friends and to be Christ to our family and, and to be loving. And if that means I just can't participate in certain conversations, fine, then don't participate in it. But also it does mean, which goes along with what you said, if you stand for the truth, you will be attacked. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the people who attack you will be other Christians, but stand for the truth. Take it. No problem. Christ went to the cross unashamed. And he, he was bold for it. And, and I would say, I would encourage people, use your social media, speak the truth, speak Christ's love, and, and be the voice uh, of Christ to the world. Yeah, just in closing, I love how you brought the example of, and that scripture of Jesus praying that they would be one. And, you know, the time is coming, and it may already be here, that the church needs to be one in a whole different way than we have mm -hmm. because um, it's dark times and you know you know whether we look at revelation we say well there's a lot there 
we look at a lot of prophetic things being fulfilled and Jesus wants us to be one and he wants us to move and so you know we need to gather around our, our similarities around what we what we truly believe and not gather around our differences or, and, mm-hmm. and we need to you know you 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 agree Jesus is Lord okay cool we have that in common let's start there you know and we need to be focusing on those things at the as the kingdom of God advancing and not on our difference. Doesn't mean we stand for injustice. Doesn't mean we stand for deception or, or wrongdoing. But it also means we give grace to each other because we all know that, you know, we need we we're gonna me- we're gonna mess it up. But everybody has. Mm-hmm. And so I love the story that um, and this book never give up because, you know, there's times like you said earlier. I just kind of wanted to give up. Your father thought about let's well, just giving up. Let's just give up. Um, and that's kind of a common experience as, as a believer, you know. And I think we kind of, we can kind of forget about that. That um, we will have problems in this world, and I, th- I think this is a, a, a timely message. Never give up. Um, so, in conclusion, what would you say, kind of, to the global body of believers right now, as an encouragement to them um, to to never give up? How? What would be your words to the kind of the global body of believers right now, as a word for 20, 2021? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, um, look around the world and see that Christians on a daily basis are, are suffering and being killed. And I say that because that helps us to pray, first of all, for them. It also gives us the right perspective that if we are consistently praying for the persecuted church and those who are suffering around the world, if it ever comes our way, we know that there are people praying for us also. Mm. Um, I, I, I believe that unless people prepare their hearts for difficulty and suffering, they're going to be uh, caught unaware and, and just like sidelined and not realize like this is normal. This is what Jesus promised. It's what we read in the Gospels. This is what we have seen um, in history and even right now. But I, I would say I would say this. If we want to see the gospel go forth, it will, it will come with blood, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. Mm-hmm. Nothing in the Christian faith goes forward by being lazy or standing mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Uh, battles and wars are never won uh, without blood. I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cost lives. It's going to be death. It's going to be suffering. And yet, didn't Christ tell us that? If we choose to save our life, we're going to lose it. But if we lose our life for his sake and the gospel, we'll find it. I mean, the whole point of the Christian life is not just for me to be happy that I'm going to heaven. It is for me to give up everything in my life so that others can find life. I mean, that's the whole point. And I, and I think that would be my encouragement is whatever God allows us to go through, one, he, he has prepared us for that. He's not going to dump more on us than we can bear. Second, Christ said he's always going to be with us. He's not going to abandon us. Third, we have examples in front of us that we can follow. And if we don't know what to do, look at Christ. Look at the scripture. <laughs> we got his word to hide in our heart. Um, and, and, we, and we have, um, just on a daily basis, we have the gift of thanksgiving. Giving praise to God. Those who, those who yeah. give thanks see God's hand working in their life. Those who complain, neglect, and don't see God's hand working so in life. So this book, Never Give Up, where can people find it? How can people connect with you, Daniel, and your, your father? And, you know, what are some of the websites for GFA and, and for connecting with you guys that can be 
kind of a first line of defense. You know, if they hear something about GFA or, if, you know, your father or Dan, where can people go first to find out information? Because we talked about, you know, just ask or, you know, find out directly from the source. Where can people begin that journey to find truth? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the, a lot of the sources are the same place. If people go to gfa.org, um, you can get the free book, Never Give Up. You can get some of my father's other books for free. Um, I would encourage everyone to get the book. I mean, just you know, get one or two copies and give them away. Um, great Christmas present. You don't have to buy them. You can get them for free. Um, the, the other thing is, like, I mean, on our website, there's contact information. People can write to us. They can call us. And, you know, we've, we've we talked to so many people, and I'm so grateful for people that called and said, hey, can you just tell us, you know, what, what's going on or send me a link somewhere? And uh, we're grateful for every single person that would call us and just ask us um, and tell us that they're praying for us. Uh, but if people go to gfa.org, not only can you get the free book, you can also contact us, but there's tons of information about what Gospel for Asia is doing in Asia, what's doing in Africa. Uh, prayer requests. Um, I, I would say, and this is a little bit off topic, but you know, if you, if you want to engage your heart in what God is doing around the world, we need to be uh, missions-minded Christians, not just people who are missionaries and pastors. That means I take a little bit of time and begin praying specifically in the area of missions on a weekly basis, get my family together and pray what I see on TV, what I hear on the radio, what I read in the newspaper or online. Use those as sources of prayer requests. I mean, when you, when you hear about a tsunami, this is years ago, 100,000 people died overnight in Bangladesh. I mean, get the family together. Find out where that is on the map and, and pray. Um, that, that is the only way to engage our hearts um, in, in what God's doing around the world. But changing our perspective that we, we lift our eyes off of ourselves and we can see what God is doing out there, like what Jesus said to the disciples, you know, look, lift up your eyes, look at the harvest. Um, this is extremely important because unless we have perspective, we're always looking inward. You need to look out so we're not looking inward. But if people go to gfa.org, get the books, sign up for the prayer request, learn about what Gospel for Asia is doing, contact us through the, through the website, and we'd be happy to connect with everyone. And you can link your life with us and, and see how your life can make a difference in millions and millions of people around the world. Amen. What a blessing that GFA has been already to the world, and we believe in faith is going to continue to you know, impact the world. Thank you so much for your obedience, Daniel, mm -hmm. and your father's obedience to doing what God has put on your heart. And thank you so much for what you're doing for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Blessing. Thank you. Thank Blessing. you so much. <laughs>